Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 19 of Bucketheads, Land Grant Holy Land's college basketball podcast and the official podcast of your still first place Ohio State Buckeyes. My name is Connor Lamonds and I'm joined by my lovely co-host Justin Golba, who is a Kent State graduate, but apparently a Northwestern fan after what he wrote last week. Yeah, I'm officially on the Northwestern to the NCAA tournament train. I'll probably be off that train by January 15th, but for now it's only December 15th, so I'm on that train. Context... We do write an article every week, Your Nuts, where we have to take opposing sides to something. And last week it was which teams will make the tournament. And basically, I wrote from the Big out, Ten. Yeah, from the Big Ten. I wrote out like 10, nine, nine teams, I think. And then I put like Ken Palm rank, this rank, blank, blank, blank. And then just encountered with, yeah, I agree with all of what he just said. So we'll just pick up from there. Plus, Northwestern is good. Yes. That's and I was ex- like, okay. Yeah, I, I, had t- I had 10 teams. I figured it was kind of silly to just write the same exact thing about the first nine teams because I think there's nine teams in the Big Ten that at this point they're pretty much all consensus going to make the tournament. Um, at least, you know, as, as of now, we'll see what happens when they get into the actual teeth of the Big Ten schedule. So it was silly to write the same exact thing. But, you know, I'll go with 10. I'll go with Northwestern for now. Um, I mentioned in the article that they have a pretty much – ridiculous start to Big Ten conference play. Could not be any more difficult. So if they go 0-7 in that like they did last year, um, then obviously they won't make the tournament. But I like their team. They might be all right. Who knows? There were a couple that made me look kind of silly. Like I put Michigan. Michigan is a lock I put. Then they lost to Minnesota that night. Um, I put Iowa's probably in. And then they got absolutely worked by Iowa State that same night as well. It's like, okay. But then I – I, I did not say that. Right I said that Rutgers wouldn't make it, and then they beat they beat number one Purdue like the next night. So I still don't think. Miss I still don't think. I think you're still right about all of those. Though I think there. I think Michigan and Iowa still made the tournament, and I do not think Rutgers will make it in. But good yeah, for them to be in Purdue. They need a thirty and ten from Ron Harper to do it. But good for them. Who's normally a just super inefficient scorer? Dude's like shoots like thirty five from the field and like thirty from three. But that's a story for another day. If we want to shit on Rutgers some other day, um, hopefully a little bit of a shorter show today. We we've got one game to talk about from this past weekend, and then a big one coming up on Saturday against Kentucky, who Ohio State will probably be favored over. A shocking turn of events. It was not looking like that was going to be the case for a while there. Um, but last weekend, Ohio State beat Wisconsin seventy three fifty five in a game that was pretty tight in the first half back and forth in the first half and then in the second half was not nearly as close Justin yeah I mean they did you know in the first half it probably shouldn't have been that close Ohio State they had a lot of turnovers early I think they had what seven turnovers in the first 10 minutes of the game Um, they weren't moving the ball as well as they should have they weren't you know they shot I think 50% from the field so they were they were shooting the ball well the entire game and then in the second half their defense just became uh, I don't know if it was Ohio State's defense 
got really good or if everybody just realized that Wisconsin outside of Johnny Davis isn't good um, and they just really embraced that. Brad Davison hit some weird shots in the first half that you kind of knew wasn't going to keep keep up. Like he's just he's, – he's okay, but he's not Steph Curry out here. He hit some ridiculous threes. Um, so I, I think that was just a game of – Wisconsin is going to be very interesting this year because, you know, Ohio State, they both have star players. Right, Ohio State is E.J. Liddell and Wisconsin is Johnny Davis, and they're both going to be up for National Player of the Year. The problem is Ohio State has other pieces. They can score. They can pick up the slack. They have Zed Key. They have Michi Johnson, Justin Arns. They have you know Justice Suing coming back. They have Cedric Russell now. There's a lot of pieces there that, that can score for them. Wisconsin has a nobody outside of Johnny Davis. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see kind of how their, how their season evolves I mean, you look at the rest of their roster. They're just their starters. Let's just go starters. Um, Brad Davidson was four for twelve after starting four for four. Uh, Stephen Steve, uh, Stephen Crawl was zero for three. Tyler Wall was one for seven, and Chucky Hepburn, their freshman point guard, was two for eight. Now, in Hepburn's defense, being a freshman point guard against Jamari Wheeler is a difficult task. Um, but I mean, they just looked. The rest of the offense just wasn't there. Johnny Davis had twenty four. Seven rebounds, three assists, three steals. He did everything for them. So uh, Ohio State, they just got way more consistent in the second half. I think this was the first big game that you saw E.J. Liddell kind of just impose his will. You know, he was just like, we're going to win this game. Whether I got to do it or not, you know, we're, we're going to do something. Kyle Young had 14 rebounds, which was super cool. Zed Key almost had double-double. Um, you know, Arns hit a shot. Good for him. Uh, Jamari Wheeler had – his kind of normal game, nine points, five rebounds, five assists, one steal. It's funny that he keeps putting up that stat line because early in the season, that's the exact stat line I said he needs. Like that, that's perfect from him. Just nine, five, and five. That's that's unbelievable for him. He doesn't even need the nine, but the five and five is perfect. He had a steal, turned the ball over twice. Um, you know, they didn't. I don't think they. You know, Michi Johnson had a great little spurt there at the kind of in the, in the early beginnings of the second half. The really kind of uh, jump started them, and you know I think this is one of their better their better games as a whole uh, in general, especially the second half. They looked really really good. Yeah, guys, um, not named Jonathan Davis for Wisconsin. The rest of the team combined to shoot twenty six percent. They were eleven of forty three. If you take away um, Johnny Davis, which he was awesome. Um, oh, he's phenomenal. I've watched a lot of games at the shot and. I'm trying to think of guys who I've watched at the shot who I was just like immediately like this, this is an NBA player. This guy is an NBA player. He is ready to go to the league. This dude is just automatic. Like he, it was so much fun to watch, especially the first half, just him and Liddell going back and forth. Um, I'm sure that Davis will probably be drafted higher than Liddell. I just think that Davis is, it's easier to point at what's his position and how would he fit into a team and what his position is versus Liddell. But Liddell's draft stock is rising too. It's just that Davis watching him, I was like, okay, this, this dude right here is an NBA player. And Davison hit his first uh, three or four shots on Arns. And he obviously like was like, I'm going to score on this guy because he cannot play defense and he sucks. And credit to Arns after he kind of got taken to school, the first couple shots, he did hold Davison to, I think like one of his next, one of his final 11 shots. Um, so he really closed that up. And once 
once they patched that last leaky hole in the boat where the only scoring was really coming from Davis, nobody else could score, it just started getting away from them. Yeah, and I think this is just kind of – this was the Wisconsin we kind of expected coming into the season, um, just minus Johnny Davis being this good. Well, Wisconsin has no really didn't have much expectation coming into the season, but they won a couple big games early. They beat A&M, they beat Houston, they beat Marquette, and then people started to kind of get on this Wisconsin train. They beat St. Mary's too. They beat St. Mary's, which is a good win. Um, and now I think after this game – and I'm not taking anything away from Ohio State. Beating them by 20 is still a very, very, very good win. Um, and I do think Wisconsin will probably sneak their way into the tournament. So I do think that'll end up being a, a you know one of those Q1, Q2 wins. However, they do that now because um, it changes every year. But you know, I, I just I don't think Wisconsin will probably be ranked again this year. I think they're probably going to do that thing in the Big Ten where they win two, then they lose two, then they win one, then they lose one. You know, and they'll probably be you know, 10 and 10, 9 and 11 ish. And they just have a good enough non-conference resume to sneak their way in. Yeah. I think that, I think they'll probably make the tournament too. I, like we talked about last week, having a win over Houston already in the bag is going to be huge for them because Houston doesn't play in a conference. That's like that great. So Houston will probably rack up a lot of wins. They'll win, yeah, a, lot. They'll win a lot of games. They may not be like that great of a team, but they'll win a lot of games and that'll look like a really good win for them. So I think they'll be in, but that's why, that's why I picked Wisconsin to finish 12th, which I'll be wrong. They're not going to be 12th. But if you take out Jonathan Davis, like, they really they, they don't have they, they don't have anything else. And going into the season, nobody expected him to do that. We kind of expected it to be more like this, minus Jonathan Davis. But it's still a good win. Win at home, like you said, it'll probably be a Q1 win on the resume. Ohio State's one of uh, five teams in the country right now that have three uh, Q1 wins already under their belt, which would be the Wisconsin win, the Seton Hall win, and the last one is probably the Penn State win since that was on the road. The Duke win isn't one. Oh, you're right. You're right. Oh my gosh, I forgot they beat the number one team in the country. Um, yeah, sounds like, I feel like Duke has to be up there. All right, that's two two. Duke, Seton Hall, Wisconsin, and then if. Penn State plays okay. That actually that could move into Q one because they give you credit for beating teams on the road. Um, yeah, but road, road win. conference wins win. are huge. They definitely didn't expect them to beat beat them by eighteen. I didn't expect them to beat them by eighteen, but uh, defense is on lockdown. We'll see their defensive rating jump from fifty first to fiftieth in Ken Palm's adjusted defense. So there's that. Slowly but surely, they're getting a little better on defense. I think. Uh, Pretty sure that when they had media availability before this game, Ryan Pete and the assistant coach said that they're doing some kind of like reward system or like positive reinforcement kind of thing to use a psychology term, like for defensive stops and shot clock violations and things like that. Like they're keeping track of that and doing like the equivalent of like Buckeye stickers. I don't know how they're doing that exactly, but um, kind of like football does in the helmet. So there's a, they're definitely putting more emphasis on defense now. And, and if this team can, hold more teams to under 40% shooting like they did. I mean, they've got enough offense to win games. Oh, for sure. Well, and I think another thing I just wanted to mention quickly is, you know, these are, this is a very weird time for college basketball because they're in the middle of finals. Sometimes there's not a lot of students on campus anymore because they've taken their finals and they've gone home for the, for the winter break. So a Saturday noon game in this kind of weird stretch of span which is like mid-december can kind of be a, i know holtman mentioned it too can kind of be a tricky time and tricky game 
Uh, so for them to come out and look that crisp and that sharp uh, was very was very key. Because I mean, and again, they didn't look amazing the entire game. They the first ten minutes when they were down nineteen to eleven, they had like eight turnovers at that point. They looked pretty bad, but then you know they 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 cleaned it up and uh, from there on they outscored them. Well, you know whatever you can do the math yourself. Um, you know outscored them by twenty. Was that 27, 26? So, you know, they looked really good in that in that in that regard because like I said, it can be a weird for them to get out of this Penn State Towson Wisconsin stretch in this weird mid December. Um, you know, three games they should win, but it's very important that they didn't mess around and drop one of those games. Um, you know, the Kentucky game, that's just one of those that can go either way no matter what. So I'm not really counting that in that one, but that little stretch in between Duke and Kentucky of Penn State, Towson, and Wisconsin, I thought was very key coming into the season because it was two conference games and a Towson team that I mean, I know you want, they're not a bad team at all. Uh, they're they're a decent team. They might sneak into the tournament, you know, just because of their conference, but um, they'd have to win their conference, obviously. But um, you know, I think it was very important for them to take that three game stretch and go three and zero, and they did. Yeah, um, I agree. I think I mean they're all games that they were picked to win, you know, mm-hmm. you should beat Wisconsin at home. Clearly you should beat Towson at home and you probably should beat Penn state on the road, but it's like they say, and, and if you listen to Adam Jardy's podcast at all, the Buckeye extra podcast, which I recommend it's, it's good stuff. He really dives into the numbers a lot. If you're like an analytics and numbers guy, um, he always, he always repeats that kind of thing. Like Ohio state is projected to win, say 19 of their next 20 games. That doesn't mean that they should win 19 out of 20. It means there's a 50% chance or greater to win those games. But the odds of winning all those games is probably not going to happen. In the same sense, like those individual, like Ohio State need was projected to win and favored to win Wisconsin, Penn State, and Towson. But the odds to win all three of them were probably less than 50%. Well, and it's like you look at Purdue. I mean, Purdue this week coming in, the stretch of Rutgers and NC State probably didn't really stand out to them as like their worst week of the season. But it was. They lost to Rutgers, and they should have lost to NC State. Uh, they needed overtime, and pretty much NC State just absolutely choking that game away to win it. So, you know, that was the number one team in the country at the time. And also, Purdue being the number one team in the country for four days was hilarious. But, um, you know, it's just – it's what it, like I said, it's, it's weird timing. It's, just, it's kind of that mid-December. You know, they're thinking about finals. They're thinking about Christmas break. Ohio State only plays three games in the next three weeks. You know, it's just – it's a weird timing. So – um, for that, like I said, for them to get through that three and zero, obviously them beating Kentucky would be ginormous um, because then they can really start to. If you look at their schedule past that, we can get into it in a little bit, but um, they can really rattle off some wins. Yeah, and last thing on that game, um, fans, if you're listening and you have not been to an Ohio State game recently, um, they need to put more people in the stands, man. I was there, and I'll I'll say I'll just be honest, I was disappointed in the crowd size against Wisconsin. Um, you're looking up in the rafters and I thought for sure for like a, an, a weekend game against Wisconsin, which is a really fun old school, big 10 matchup, thought there'd be more people in the stands. And a lot of the upper level was empty. And I'm, you know, I'm looking at tickets right now for folks that maybe didn't want to research it or won't put the time in to research it. You can get upper level tickets for the next big 10 game, which is a home game against Northwestern on January 9th for $11, 11 bucks in the upper level. I know it's not where you want to sit, but if you're trying to be affordable and you want to go to a game, there are affordable tickets in that arena to see a game. Um, we're not associated with the university, so I can say this. Just peep your eyes down on like the middle level and lower levels. Sit up top for the first half and then try to see where there's some empty rows. You can always scoot down later. 
But just to make it known, there there are affordable seats and tickets at these games, um, and you have a you have a good basketball team this year. Get out to a few games. Very good team. I think this we can probably get into this a little bit later. But I just this is like this team. I don't know. There's the ceiling is very very high. Put it that way on this team. So you you feel like they're they're climbing. They're still they're still going up the mountain right now. They have not peaked. They're still putting it together and they're playing very well as they're still kind of figuring it out. Well, and I kind of said this, and you know, we'll jump. Like I said, we'll jump into Kentucky here in a sec. But I just I think I've always said this, and Coltman kind of said this to us too. I thought their best team. In terms of readiness for the NCAA tournament, not maybe the most talented, but the best team in terms of built for the NCAA tournament and readiness was the pandemic year team because they were just peaking at the right moment. They were kind of, they were very balanced. They had a lot of weapons. I think I think this team has overtaken that team for just best prepared for the tournament. They have, you know, they have Jamari Wheeler as a steady point guard. They have a lot of depth. You know, as long as they can stay healthy, which is obviously everybody's goal. I mean, I can say that about every single team in college basketball. Um than this team is. And even if they don't stay healthy, they have a lot of depth. I mean, like I said, right now, they just they beat Duke and they're going to play Kentucky as probably a favorite without two solid rotation guys and Justice Ewing, who's probably a starter. I don't think he'll start when he comes back, but he'll start at some point this year again. So I'm definitely part, I'm definitely biased and partial towards the 2017 um, 18 team that had Kata Bates Diop, Jayshon Tate, Caleb Wesson, Andre Wesson, Cam Williams. That team, if you, I, and I know you remember this, I'm sure. That team ran into a really bad matchup in the second round of the tournament with Gonzaga. Yeah, but also, they, they should have beat Gonzaga. Yeah. Remember, they started that game, what, they were down like 18 nothing. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I was just going to say the exact same thing. Like, they drew a really, really tough path. Like, they Horrible. got their first game, I think, was South Dakota State with Mike Dom. Yeah, Mike Dom. Which they won. They basically won in the final, like, two minutes because Cam Williams just absolutely took play. off. Yeah. So, they, they had a really tough 5-12 matchup against South Dakota State. They won it. And then you get... Gonzaga as I think they were a two seed that year. You get Gonzaga as a two seed, and that team had like Josh Perkins. I know they had that. I think they still had that big guy Karnowski, and that might have been. They might have had Hachimura that year too. But I mean, that, was, that Gonzaga team was well, they amazing. Had, they also, I thought, I think they had Kyle Wilcher that year, the Kentucky transfer. I think that you're right. I think they had Wilcher and Hachimura, and I know they had Josh Perkins. So the fact they were in a one seed is kind of crazy. So that was a really tough draw, and they almost came back and won that game. I think that is Ohio State's best team since Holtman. But um, yeah, well, in this year, there's obviously some similarities to that team this year, and I don't think we planned on getting into this. But now that you mentioned it, I mean, remember that team that year? They beat the number one team, right? That was the Michigan State year they won. They beat Wisconsin that year. They slaughtered Wisconsin that year early in December, and I saw some people were like, whoa, wow, this team might be pretty decent. Like, there are some weird parallels to that team and this team. Um, they, that team was pretty deep. So I think, you know, that's kind of – it seems like Ohio State's going to be pretty good if they beat Wisconsin by a lot in January. I mean, in December. So that's good. We will certainly see. Um, Ohio State, they do play number 21, Kentucky. Kentucky dropped 11 spots from last week. They went from 10 all the way down to 21 after they lost to unranked Notre Dame. New AP pulls out. I'll run through that real quick. Uh, Baylor up to number one now. They absolutely handcuffed Villanova. I don't know if you have to see that or any highlights, but held Villanova to – Baylor's good. (laughs) Held Villanova to 37 points in 40 minutes of basketball. Absolutely absurd. Duke is up to number two. Purdue dropped to number three. They went one and one. They lost to Rutgers. Um, UCLA I was surprised four. by that, by the way. I thought they'd fall a lot further. 
Maybe yeah, it's just because everybody else sucks too. I don't know. Nobody's good. Yeah, Baylor. pretty much everybody else has at least one loss. UCLA four, Gonzaga five, Alabama six, Kansas seven, Arizona eight. Arizona is actually really, really good. Yeah, they're, um, they're sneaking up there. Villanova dropped down to nine. They probably should have dropped further. They're already, they already have three losses. They're number nine. USC is 10, Iowa State 11. Michigan State jumped seven spots. They're up to number 12. I think that they're a little bit overrated, but we'll get to them eventually one of these weeks when we play them. Auburn 13, Houston 14, another team that's probably a little overrated. Ohio State up to 15, Seton Hall up to 16, Texas dropped all the way down to what, number 17. I forget, they lost to Seton Hall, I believe. So Texas down to 17, Tennessee is down to 18, LSU is 19, UConn 20, Kentucky, we talked about them, they're 21. Xavier 22, Colorado State 23, Arkansas 24, and the Texas Tech Red Raiders are into the poll finally at 25. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that if Ohio State beats Kentucky, and granted this will change because if Ohio State beats Kentucky, Kentucky's falling out of the rankings, but they'll mm-hmm. move their way back in at some point. That mm-hmm. you know, before the new year flips, Ohio State would have four ranked three ranked wins because Wisconsin's like 26th. So they might be able to. They had the most receiving votes. So they might be able to if they if they went out this week. I don't know who they play, but if they get a win this week, they'll jump back into the polls. So you know, this wins over Duke, Seton Hall, Kentucky, and Wisconsin, um, all of which would be like either ranked or right on the verge of being ranked. And then you know, I mean, obviously the loss to Xavier, but I think if you play that game tomorrow, I think Ohio State beats Xavier. So um, very, very, very promising uh, November and December for this team. So. You know, Kentucky, I mean, they're a good team. They, they're they a weird team. I'm comfortable saying they're a good team, but uh, they haven't played anybody, and all the people they've played, they've lost to. They lost to Duke early in the season. They didn't get blown out or anything by them, but they lost. Uh, you know, they, they Duke looked like the better team. And then Notre Dame was coming off a loss to Boston College, who was really bad. Um, and Notre Dame was 3-4 and four coming into that game. And just looked like – I mean, I watched a lot of the game. They looked better than Kentucky, and that was bad for Kentucky. So, you know, we kind of talked about it beforehand. That was a very weird uh, game of just – it was just Oscar Toshiba did almost everything, um, and that's kind of how a lot of their season's going. Toshiba's averaging 16.3 points per game and 15 rebounds per game. That's what he's averaging. Um, so he's he's been able to – Suffice to say, he's been able to get on the boards and get some rebounds. Um, it'll be very interesting to see him against the Kyle Young, EJ Liddell, Zed Key, kind of the the trio they can throw down there and hopefully slow him down. But when you look at Kentucky, their wins are against Southern University, Central Michigan, who they beat by 30, University of North Florida, Albany, OU, Mount St. Mary's, Robert Morris, and then before Duke, they played Miles College, which was an exhibition. So it's like, and they only won that game by nine, by the way. And I was at home. So it's it's kind of like, I, you know, they're good because they're Kentucky and they have a lot of talented players. You know, they have Kellen Grady, who we talked about as a Davis and transfer. He's, he's a hell of a scorer, but he's only averaging nine points per game this year. He's kind of struggling. Uh, they have Keon Brooks Jr., who's kind of their best player coming back. You know, Kentucky doesn't tend to return a lot of great players. But he came back. He, he's having a good year. Ty Ty Washington is, was their big recruit coming in. He's averaging third, almost fourteen points a game, almost five rebounds. Um, he's you know he's he's been a good guard for them. And obviously Oscar Toshiba averaging sixteen to fifteen is kind of gets kind of ridiculous. But um, you know this is an Ohio State team that has a lot of depth. 
I think this is a I think this is a very big game where that depth can play a huge role uh, because what, Kentucky doesn't have that. I mean, when you look at their game against Notre Dame, they played they played their starters, and then Davion Mintz played 18 minutes off the bench, and that was the only person who played more than eight minutes. Jacob Toppin came off the bench and played eight minutes. So they play pretty much a six-man rotation. Uh, Toshiba played 37 minutes as a big guy. That's pretty impressive. He had 25 points and seven rebounds. He had 25 of their 62. I mean, Keon Brooks yeah. Jr. had 12 points. That was it. That was only double-digit scores they have. They're just not deep. They go Toshiba, Brooks Jr., Grader, Washington Jr., and then Savar Wheeler, who's a Georgia transfer, uh, starts as well. And that's it, man. They, they just don't have much more. And there's your, I mean, there's your blueprint too, because when you look at that team, that's going to be your first concern. Is Oscar Shibway is massive, and he's averaging. Massive. I don't remember what you said, but last game Notre Dame, twenty five points, sixteen and fifteen. Jesus Christ, um, last game 25, 25 points and seven rebounds. He's a large, large man. He is bigger than Zed Key. He's bigger than anybody that Ohio State can throw at him. But here's the thing: is you, we just saw that he can have a really good game. Like you can pencil him in for twenty and ten if you want. And and you can still beat Kentucky. Um, it's, it's the you can use the, you, they can transfer their game plan from Wisconsin into this one because it's the same thing. Let Johnny Davis do Johnny Davis things. Doesn't matter. Shut everybody else down. Beat them by fifteen. Same thing for Kentucky. Let Oscar Toshiba get his twenty and fifteen. Who cares? And then shut everybody else down. Score seventy five points. You, you win the game. It's very simple. This is come back to bite me, but they're a really talented team as far as like just raw talent. They probably have you know more five and you know it's Kentucky. They don't they don't do three stars at Kentucky. They do five stars and the occasional four stars. So without having things in front of me, you know don't quote me, but you know Ty Ty Washington was probably a five star. Keon Brooks was. is probably a five star. Davion Mintz, I'm pretty sure was a five star. Um, I don't know about Severe Wheeler. I know Oscar Shibway. I don't know what his recruiting ranks were, but he played at West Virginia for a couple of years. We know Kellen Grady was basically the best player at Davidson since Steph Curry. He's awesome, yeah. or he was awesome at Davidson. He's still a very good shooter at Kentucky. He's averaging, I think, 36% from three this season. So, like, they've got the guys, the talent, but that doesn't necessarily always translate to the best team. Um, these other these five-star guys are struggling. Ty Ty Washington is not having a great season. Keon Brooks, I think, is like 11 points per game, but – so is Zed Key. Um, they have talent on the on the roster, but unlike the Duke game where I felt like Ohio State was mismatched at every single spot, for this game, I feel like Ohio State's only really mismatched at one spot, and we've already talked about it. Even if Oscar Shibway goes for 25 and 10, you, you, can, you can still beat them even if that happens. Yeah, he went for 17 and 20 against Duke, and they lost. So it's kind of like, you know, at that point, I mean, seventeen twenty, you can't really do much much better than that. I mean, twenty and twenty, or almost twenty and twenty, is is about as good as you could do stat wise. And he was eight for fourteen from the field. I mean, that's pretty efficient. And they lost. So, um, yeah, the the blueprint's simple. Kellen Grady is uh, is probably your your circle if you're trying to circle anybody uh, because he is he's only averaging nine a game, but he's so talented offensively. He's still shooting the ball forty percent from three. Um, you know, he, he is a guy who can pretty much go, he could probably go for 25 any given night. He's struggling a little bit with the whole transfer stuff. And, you know, we've seen it across the, it's an interesting conversation to have because a lot of people are kind of like Ohio state fans are saying, why isn't Cedric Russell playing more? 
but I think you start to see Cedric Russell kind of ease into it, which is nice while you've seen some other transfers who were thrown into the fire quick, like Kellen Grady, Devontae Jones at Michigan is a really good example because he literally came from the Sun Belt like Cedric Russell and Jones is struggling and he was, but he was playing 35 minutes off rip for Michigan. Um, so it's kind of an interesting, how do you handle the transfer situation? Obviously, Kellen Grady is a little different because he was the top transfer. He was like the, he was the guy coming out of, 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 of the transfer portal this year in college basketball. So probably anywhere you go, he would have been playing minutes off rip, but, um, yeah, it's 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 going to be very interesting to see. Kind of in both their close games they've had this year, they've only really played six, maybe seven guys. They do have eight guys who average more than, or nine guys, I'm sorry, who average more than like 11 minutes per game. But it's kind of tough to take that too seriously because they've blown out so many teams. You know, a lot of those guys are getting just garbage minutes, garbage minutes. So you got to look at the two close games they've had. Also, they're zero and two in close games, um, which is Ohio State is obviously not so. You know, I kind of like Ohio State's chances down the stretch if 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 this game gets to it. So, did you see my tweet? And if you did, don't lie. Did you see my tweet when I I did the average of like the Ken Palm rank for the teams Kentucky has beat? Yeah, it's in the hundred and fifties, isn't it? No, no. Guess again. Two hundred. 278. Oh my god, I didn't know there's that many teams. There's 300, I think, and 58 teams. Well, I have, I have Ken Palm actually opened up on my computer. I can tell you right now. There are, yeah, 358 teams in Division One basketball that qualify for Ken Palm's rankings. The average rank of the teams Kentucky have beat so far is 278. I mean, once you get into like the 100 and beyond range, those are kind of like the teams that you're like, okay, you really, you know, anything beyond 100 is probably a, a bad loss. Anything beyond 200 is like, oh boy. And once you get to 300, you're looking at like the worst, the worst Division One college basketball teams. And Kentucky, um, the average rank of the seven teams that they have beaten so far is 278. So they're like pushing 300. They, aside from Duke, um, they haven't played anybody. Yeah, and they haven't even like Notre Dame isn't even on that list of like good teams that they've just lost to. Notre Dame is not that good of a team. Um, funny enough, the leading scorer in that in that game for Notre Dame was Dane Goodwin, who Ohio State fans might remember. He was an Ohio State commit back in the day. Um, yeah, he went to uh, actually Upper, pretty, He went to uh, Upper Arlington, which is literally up the street from the shot. Yeah, he was in Caleb Weston's recruiting class. They were the one-two in the state of Ohio, and then but then Goodwin after Mata left, um, recommitted to Notre Dame. So. And I, somehow he's still in college, but um, he's probably fifth year, I guess, at this point. But anyway, so you know, I look. This is going to be a game where I think it's kind of funny how the over the past like month how this game is kind of twisted to where you go after Ohio State lost to Xavier and Kentucky. You know, they barely lost to Duke. You think like, oh my gosh, you know, Ohio State's going to be a ten or fifteen point underdog in this game. Now looking at it, it's oh, it's a game Ohio State <coughs> excuse me <coughs> should probably win. Um, Anything's possible because Kentucky, like you said, has so many five stars up and down the court. Um, but I mean, they're just they're they're very raw. They're very they're talented, but they're trying to they're trying to mesh that kind of freshman plus. I mean, they start three transfers. Um, they start three transfers of freshmen, and I think Keon Brooks is a junior. 
Maybe yes, a sophomore. He he's a junior. He a junior. Yeah, so you start a junior, a freshman, and three transfers. So trying to mesh that in is tough. And um, so far, I don't know if you probably can't say whether it's worked or not. I mean, they they ha- they played Duke, who you kind of expect them to lose to anyway. They lost by eight, which isn't a bad loss. But then they played nobody for seven games. They won those seven games, but they played nobody. And then they played Notre Dame, who was right. Who was they not finally played somebody? Finally played with somebody a with a pulse. Yeah, exactly. And they, and they lost. So, um, like I said, Notre Dame was coming off a loss to Boston College, who is not good at all. Um, so <laughs> this is a weird kind of. And you're getting Ohio State kind of at. I mean, I don't want to. It's not their peak because you know they beat Duke, but they're com- I mean, they're coming in on a, on a tear. I mean, they're coming off. They're, they won four in a row. Three of those games were either a a top-ranked team in the country or a conference game, which is never easy. Um, so you're, you're getting a team that's kind of really figuring themselves out. Um, you can confirm this, right? Justice Suing and Seth Towns are not playing in this game. Or is that – did he say that? Um, that's not confirmed yet. I'm sure that – so we are actually recording this on Tuesday night. This will drop Thursday afternoon. And also Thursday morning, Chris Holtman is going to talk to the media. Um so by the time this comes out, it should be like brand new news. We'll we'll know um, we'll know Thursday if either of those guys are going to be available. But my guess is no, just because like, they are available. I doubt they play heavy minutes. It, this like is a week the and a half ago. Try to or, incorporate those guys in, but yeah, like a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, he said, you know, they're still weeks away, plural. Which as as far as injuries go, I kind of I always take that as more like three four weeks. So. I doubt that they're going to play, but by the time this episode comes out, um, we'll know for sure. Yeah, Justice I think we, Suing, I th- though, is going to be a starter. Like, Holtman may bring him off the bench initially, but um, it's not going to be like the Kyle Young situation yeah. where, like, he's been good off the bench. Like, Holtman already said, like, he is one of our starters. So as soon as his, he's physically able to start games, he's going to bump either Malachi Branham or Justice uh, Justin Arns out of the lineup. Yeah, and maybe someone can argue this with me, but I think it's just pretty simple. I think they're going to put Justice Suing in for Justin Justin Arns. I don't think that's really even. I think that's just the obvious thing to do. Um, not that Arns I has think, been bad. I think it might be. I think it's Branham. I think they take Branham out. You think so? I just don't know if either of those. Maybe Suing can play the two, and you know, I mean, Arns yeah, has been better than Branham. So I mean, Branham has kind of struggled, especially against Wisconsin. He only played fourteen minutes, and he had four turnovers, and he didn't score. But um, I think I, 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 I don't know if you, I don't know if, I guess Suing can probably play the two. I mean, he played what, the one what, last year. So here's, here's my, here's what I was thinking. What does Branham bring to the game? What has Branham provided to this team so far that justice Suing cannot do when he's healthy? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. That's a good point. So yeah, I guess Suing will probably slip into the two. So you're looking at a starting lineup of Jamari Wheeler. Suing, I don't think it's traditional. I don't think that you no, look at it and it's, it's not traditional. Like Suing's not a guard. So then it's, he's not a traditional two. He's definitely more of a three. But when you look at it, like he can bring the ball up if need be. He doesn't bring – like Branham doesn't bring the ball up all that much, but he's in there as, as a two. Like he can bring the ball up. You like We like that Branham can like get to the basket and kind of like pull up because he's long and tall. Well, Justice Suing does it all the time, mid-range slash to the basket and hit those short jumpers. Yeah, I, and and I, you that. love – and we love how Justin Arns, when he's in the game, and Holtman has talked about this a few times too, even if Justin Arns isn't – shooting a ton he's constantly pulling one defender away he's, he's constantly he's, keeping one defender which opens up other guys 
Yeah, he's the decoy. Um, so, he's the decoy of all decoys. I mean, at the yeah, end of the even day, even if he's not shooting, he's opening things up and turning it into essentially a four-on-four game. So that's my thinking. I could be wrong, and they totally could sit Justin Arns. But between Justin Arns being a senior, and I'm just thinking, like, what what has Branham done so far that Justice Suing can't do? Yeah, I agree. I think I was just thinking more traditional, but obviously, especially this day and age in college basketball, you can't really think that way. Um, yeah, I mean, last year, like like you said, we saw it with when C.J. Walker and Jimmy Soto's got hurt. Justice Ewing was damn near playing the one. So, um, exactly. You know, exactly. I, I think I think he'll that that probably makes sense that he and I think Brando coming off the bench would make more sense anyway. I think we're gonna start to see, and I know someone's mentioned this with Eugene Brown coming back, with Suing coming back, and with Seth Towns coming back. Somebody's gonna lose a lot of minutes, and with Cedric Russell starting to play well, I'm starting to think that person's gonna be Brando. I, I it's just. When you look at how everybody's playing, it's just hard for me to believe that Brandon's going to play more than maybe 12 to 15 minutes per game. Um, with, Like I said, with Eugene Brown, a little bit was different that, against Wisconsin because he got into foul trouble really early. Uh, he only played 10 minutes, but you know he is, he is still a very good talent for them. He's still one of their best on-ball defenders. He's still one of their most physical guys. Like, you know, like we said, he was really the only person I saw that could really take Johnny Davis off the ball. Um, so that was nice. And then you have to get Seth Towns involved in some way. He's too talented of a scorer. Whether it's just 10 minutes, is you know, 10 minutes, you still got to take away 10 minutes from somewhere. And then Suing's going to play 30 minutes a game, 25 to 30, when he's healthy. So I, I think Malachi Branham's going to lose some minutes. I think Michi will probably lose some minutes, but not all of them, because he's just like, he's just like the perfect definition of fire and ice. You know, there's sometimes he's on the court, you're like, hey, what the hell is he doing? And there's sometimes you're like, man, he's, he's fun. So it's kind of – it's weird. It's going to be interesting to see kind of where these minutes go. And that's why – and I kind of pointed this out to you. When Cedric Russell – everyone's like, I don't know why Cedric Russell isn't playing more. I don't know why Cedric Russell isn't playing more. It's like he did play 20 minutes against Wisconsin. That's about all you're going to get from a yeah. lot of these guys. You know, 20 yeah. minutes – they're not going to play 35 minutes. There's just not enough minutes to go around in the game. I mean, you have your – Jamari Wheeler is going to play 30, 35 minutes a game because he's your best ball handler, one of the best ball handlers in the conference right now. E.J. Liddell is going to play 30, 35 minutes a game because he's one of the best players in the freaking country. Kyle Justin, Young's gonna... Arnes has, Justin Arnes has been playing damn near 30 minutes almost every single game too, which you can disagree with. You You can disagree with that if you want to disagree with that. But like the fact, it's, it's is that, the fact is that he's, he's playing like 30 minutes a game. And because he is that dangerous decoy. The funny part is like I think a lot of people would argue right now that like Arnes isn't shooting the ball amazing. He's still shooting the ball at a 44% clip, which is, just shows how dangerous he actually is. Like you truly think every time that ball comes off his hands, it's going in, and that's why he plays thirty minutes a game because he and this always. Is the first, yeah, and it's the first season that we've watched him too. Where like every single season, we're like, dude, just shoot the ball, just 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 shoot it, like he, just shoot it. You don't have it. to. And now, and now, yeah, now he's just he's catching and hoisting. He's like, if you're in my face, I'm gonna I'm gonna shot fake and step to the side, and I'm gonna get you out of my face oh, so I can shoot instead of just getting step. rid of it. Sometimes I think he sidesteps into detriment, but I, he loves it. So whatever works. Um, but yeah, I it's just, right, it's though. weird with, I mean, Kyle Young is only playing 20 minutes a game, really. And he's one of the more valuable players on the team. So it's just, it's weird. Like, I think people just need to kind of understand that, you know, is Cedric Russell playing 15, 20 minutes? Isn't that he's not good. It's just, there's a lot of minutes to go around and there's a lot of guys with different skill sets that like, that are going to play. I mean, Cedric Russell played 19 minutes. Michi played 19 minutes and those were the second most minutes of a, of a guard. He played more than Brandon, played more than Brown, and obviously played more than Soto's. You know, and Wheeler, Wheeler's going to play 35 minutes a game. They just they need him out there with his defense and 
him handling the ball. So yeah, I, it'll be interesting. We it'll be interesting. I think Jimmy Sotos has seen his role pretty much disappear, and I think you're right. Gone. I think yeah, that it's gone. Once, once those guys are back, he's he's he has no rotation. No no. Russell no will lose some minutes. Michi will lose some minutes. Brandon will lose some minutes. Suing will pick up. He'll start. And then Holtman's already said. He just said the other day. He said he said Seth Towns is. He said our sixth or seventh guy. So that yeah. tells you all you need to know about where he views Seth Towns as soon as he's healthy. Sixth guy would be like. Well, obviously, that's your first guy out of the starting, like beyond the starting lineup. So it's going to be interesting. And he said, you know, he's like, you just, you can't play, you know, we're playing 12 guys a lot of nights. Once you get into Big Ten play, he's like, we just can't do that. We won't do that. We cannot yeah. do that. There's not enough minutes and we can't. So some guys are going to see decreased roles. Um, but, you know, you, you, we're not here to make people happy and the coaches aren't there to, you know, pander to people's feelings and make them happy. The best guys are going to play. The best guys that give them a chance to win are going to play. So, some guys are going to get squeezed out. The younger guys might get squeezed out a little bit, but like next year, you know, they'll have their opportunities. Yeah, and I think I don't think it's something that's like going to really be. If you're a young guy, I, like if you're a Malachi Brandon, you see your you see your numbers go down. I don't think it'd really be a big deal, just because there are what possibly nine guys on this team that are going to be gone next year. I mean, you have there's a lot of seniors. Coltman just called Ladella senior, so he can you could just count him into the seniors, and um, they're losing a lot. And it, it's obviously a little different because of the whole. I know Coltman's already mentioned it. Seth Towns does have another year of eligibility if he wants it. Who knows he's if he'll gone. take it? They're, they're, you know, he's probably gone. But you know, the, with the whole COVID year, it's, it's weird. Guys could come back. I don't think anybody will. It's hard. Maybe Justin Arns is like, or if Suing, let's say Suing comes back and gets hurt again. And doesn't play much this year. Maybe he comes back just so he doesn't end his career on a on a sour note. You know, kind of like Kyle Young. I think if Kyle Young doesn't get hurt last year, he's probably gone. But because he got hurt, because he didn't play in Oral Roberts, and he saw what happened, I think that's what brought him back. Um, same with EJ Liddell. So you know, it just depends on how I the think, season shakes think, out with that. But I think all those dudes are gone. I, I think that they are all gone. But, and in in an age, but of, I can't I can't assure they're gone. Right? No. We yeah. We have no idea what the hell's going to happen. And next year, I just think in an age of transfer portal and instant gratification and guys that you know want to play now, and if the situation isn't having them play now, then they transfer. Um, there there are so many great basketball players that did not really play very much their freshman and sometimes sophomore season. You know, we just saw two of them against Wisconsin. Liddell came off the bench as a freshman. He averaged like seven points a game. Johnny Davis came off the bench as a freshman. He averaged like seven points a game. You, you play a little bit when you're younger, the spots open up. I think that Malachi Branham is going to be an absolute star. I think he's going to oh, be, yeah. and I think he's going to make it to the NBA. I think he's going to get drafted. I think he's going to be fantastic. I'm so excited to watch him get better, but sometimes that's just how it works when you're a freshman. There are guys in front of you. doesn't mean you're a bad player. There's just not space right now for you. So I think that, you know, in the next year or two, he's going to, have a lot of uh, a lot more minutes, and he's going to be a great player. It's just you know this year he might get squeezed a little bit. Yeah, and we'll wrap it up with this. But you know, my final thought on it is just I don't think this is the most talented team in college basketball. I'm very comfortable calling this the deepest team in college basketball. I think even through conference play, if he wanted to, he could throw twelve guys out there. I mean, Jimmy Sotos has proven he can play at this level at least. He's not amazing, but he can play at this level, and he's their twelfth guy whenever he's healthy. So it's it's I mean this is an insanely deep team I think people recognize that so should be a a really good game to watch or listen to on the radio if you're like me and Justin who will probably be driving on the highway during this game um, last thing 
before we like close it up, we would have to, we have to mention this. There were a, a lot of really, really severe thunderstorms and tornadoes that rolled through Eastern Arkansas, Eastern Tennessee and Western Kentucky this past weekend. Um, if you're familiar with, you know, weather and weather patterns, you've definitely heard storms that hit in the middle of the night are always the most dangerous because people are not awake to hear them. Um, a lot of really bad tornadoes hit Western Kentucky. 75 people are dead. Hundreds are still unaccounted for. So that is going to be on the minds of both teams this weekend. Chris Holtman is from Kentucky. And there is tonight's Tuesday. They're doing a telethon in Kentucky to raise money. This will come out on Thursday. If you want to donate any money to the Red Cross of Greater Kentucky to help people, you can just go to redcross.org slash Kentucky. Chris Holtman announced today he's donating $50,000 to the Red Cross in Kentucky to help with their efforts. Um, if you have anything to give or if, if you feel driven to to donate any money to help those people down there, just go to redcross.org slash Kentucky, and that's where you can um, chip in anything that, that you can. Yeah, and I don't know if you heard, Connor, because you were at the game, but on the broadcast they mentioned that Chris Voigt from Wisconsin uh, is literally from Mayfield, Kentucky, which was one of the places hurt the most. And they said that at the time of that game, he hadn't even been able to contact his family or anything. So uh, prayers up to him, and hopefully he's been able to – to contact some people and, and uh, you know, I'm sure that was weighing on his mind as he played Ohio state. So hopefully he's been able to figure that, that situation out. Cause that's obviously, you know, that goes way past anything that is basketball or anything. note we'll go ahead and wrap it up if you guys are finding us on the website be sure to also subscribe wherever you get your music and podcasts apple music spotify whatever i don't know what else is out there tumblr myspace i don't care if you're enjoying the podcast leave us a review it helps us if you leave four or five star reviews um because people see that they know that we're legit and they want to come on and talk with us uh we will continue to release new episodes every thursday for as long as people keep listening to us talk about random stuff not really random stuff because we talk about high state basketball it's actually very niche and very specific but nevertheless uh if you want to follow along on twitter you can follow the podcast at bucketheads lghl uh myself i am at justin underscore golba and the website is at landgrant 33 connor where are you if you want to follow me on twitter you can follow me at lamons underscore connor at l-e-m-o-n-s underscore connor um we try to stay pretty engaged both me and justin as well as on the main account during games this weekend might be a little different just because we're both going to be on the road but um definitely give us a follow um we try to try to put out a lot of uh information we get at games and stuff like that if you're interested so with all that we appreciate you guys listening um we'll see you next week and go bucks